0: All right, we're going to jump into our message this morning. I'm actually going to start with a question for you today. Uh, It's going to be kind of easy, and then it's going to get a little more challenging. Oh, yeah, I'm also going to invite the ushers forward for the morning offering. And they're going to receive that as we jump into the message. All right, so here's the question. It's going to start easy, and then it's going to get hard. Question A, how many of you would like to have more joy, fulfillment, purpose, satisfaction in your life this year in the next 12 months than you did in the previous 12 months. If I said like, hey, just you can just get it for free, free offer. You can get all those things increased in your life next year versus this year. How many of you would say, I'd take that deal? Yeah, I, I assumed most of you would. Now that's the easy answer to the easy question. Let me ask the same question in a little bit more challenging way. All right? Which of these two fictitious people would you rather be? I'm about to describe two fictitious people f- for you that both come out of an article, they're both created out of research, and I want you to consider which of these two people I would rather be. First, Richard. Richard is an ambitious 36-year-old white commodities trader. He's healthy. He's fantastically handsome. He lives in Maui, alone, in a house, with a pool. He has dated a series of gorgeous women. Richard's job is stressful, but he spent Christmas in Tahiti last year. In his free time, he is able to indulge all of his own hobbies and passions. He especially enjoys writing, and he is currently writing an article about child poverty in Haiti. That's Richard, option one of the people you can choose from. Next, option B, and you will have two options, is Lorna. Lorna is a 64-year-old African American woman. She lives in the opposite of Hawaii. I don't know where that is. The article just said opposite. So, um, she's overweight and considered to be unattractive. She has some some health issues, but those do not stop her from spending time with her friends, from babysitting her grandchildren regularly. She's a re- retired school assistant. She's very close to her 67-year-old husband and is much respected in their church for directing music ministries, leading the semi-annual blood drive, and in the last few days, Lorna believes um, in Haiti so much that she has organized a drive to raise $10,000 for children in Haiti. Now, which of these two people would our society put forward as an example of the good life? Richard or Lorna? Lorna? They'd say Richard, but you'd say Lorna. Okay, society would say Richard, right? This is this is who advertising companies would promote. They would say, hey, if you buy our product, your life would look like Richard's, right? That's what our world says. Everyone wants Richard's life. But which one of these people is more likely to have a life with greater joy, meaning, purpose, and satisfaction? There's actually data on this question. This is not just an opinion statement. There's all kinds of research. Gender has no impact. Climate and weather have no long-term impact. Emphasis on (laughs) long-term. Beautiful people, according to the study, are not happier than folks, society judges, to be not so beautiful. Statistically, younger people are actually a bit less happy than older people. And as it turns out, all the research points to the fact that real, lasting joy and satisfaction and fulfillment, they're actually tied to things like serving, donating, giving, helping others, being generous with your life, time, finances. Surprisingly, as it turns out, according to the data, Lorna will most likely live longer, be happier have more friends, experience more purpose, and nurse fewer regrets than Richard. So the question then is, why, while most of you said you'd rather be Lorna, do I not really believe you? Why are so many of us enthralled with Richard? When at the very beginning we said, you know what we'd really like is more meaning, purpose, satisfaction, and joy in our lives. Maybe it's because we do not really know. Or maybe we do not really believe what brings satisfaction, fulfillment, meaning, and joy into life. This morning we continue our series called Resolved. And again, the idea behind this series is that there are some things as a church, the Bible says, we absolutely must be about. If we're going to take our calling to be and make disciples of Jesus seriously, if we are going to be a community that grows in faith, love, and hope diligently, there are simply some things that we must, as a community, resolve to do and be. And what I want to call us as a church to this morning is a renewed commitment to ministry through gift-based serving. I'll say that again. I want to call us as a church this morning to a renewed commitment to ministry through gift-based serving. Because the New Testament makes it very clear, friends... That one of the primary ways that we grow in faith, one of the primary ways that we mature in Christ, one of the primary ways that we experience fullness in Jesus the way God longs for us to, is when we use our God-given unique spiritual gifts in service as part of his church. When we actually live like Lorna. Ephesians chapter 4, this is one of my favorite passages, Verses 11 through 13 reads this way. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. To empower people to use their gifts. To serve God. Advance the kingdom as a part of the church. To equip his people for works of service. So that, so that, and the result of that, the result of you, the result of people using their gifts in service to God so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, long before studies, long before research, long before Richard and Lorna, wherever Richard and Lorna, ever created, God knew the answer. Meaning, purpose, fulfillment, joy... Comes when people understand who they are in Christ and use their gifts to serve God. And so this morning I want to talk about some lies in a real practical way that might prevent you from embracing the Lord in life. Some lies that might prevent you from actually stepping into a place where you experience gift-based service and ministry in God's church and experience the joy and meaning and purpose and fulfillment that all of you at the very beginning of the service said, that's what I want next year. What are the lies that will keep you from what you actually want to have happen in the next 12 months? Lie number one, wait to serve when you are more holy. Way to serve when you aren't such a sinner. You see, we've all all experienced this. We've all experienced this thought process. I would love to serve. I'd love to get into ministry. I'd love to do some things for God. But there is no way that God could use someone like me. Not someone who struggles with the things that I struggle with. When I read the New Testament, friends, one of the things I'm often struck by is the fact that Paul, one of the authors of the New Testament, issues the call to serve, perhaps most strongly, in the book of 1 Corinthians. In no other New Testament book is there such a strong call to service as there is in this letter, 1 Corinthians. It's where he talks about different gifts, it's where he gives his famous one-body-many-parts speech. And this is surprising Because the Corinthian church, this church he's writing to in this letter, is perhaps one of the most messed up churches in the history of the world. If you thought our church was messed up, we look like gold star students compared to the Corinthians. The things they are dealing with in this church, in this one letter alone, include idol sacrifice, Arrogance, greed, selfishness, false teaching, inappropriate worship, sexual sins of all kinds, and divisions in the church. So there's this this enormous list of all the sins that these people are dealing with, and yet God puts a pause on rebuking their sin, and time and time again issues a call for them to use their gifts in service. He doesn't say... What you might expect God to say when he would show up on the scene. He doesn't say, get your life together and then we'll find a place for you to plug into ministry. Clean up your act and then you can join the team. No, in light of all the sin struggle they are having, he seems to be beating the serving drum even harder. And the message seems to be, if you're struggling with living a life that's not pleasing to God, perhaps serving is a way to get some momentum moving in the other direction. See, as it turns out, serving is not just reserved for the really super spiritual holy people. It's for anyone who wants to move their life and heart and mind towards God. Back in Ventura, a friend of mine was a recovering addict, and every month... Several times a month, actually, he would go over to the the rough part of town and he would visit this um, recovery center. The center that was um, pretty nasty, pretty rough. People dealing with really extreme addictions and psychological disorders would be checked into this facility. And every month, several times, Kevin would go over there and he would just minister and he would be with these people. And then I would sit with him and I would talk to him and he would tell me about his visit. And it did not sound pleasant. And he did not sound like he was looking forward to going back again. And so finally one day I just asked him, I said, Kevin, you know... You always, you're always going over there. You're always going over to Hillmont. Why do you keep going over there? It does not sound like a really fun place to go. And I remember he paused. And he fought real hard. I could tell he was kind of considering this question extremely deeply. And then I'll never forget what he said. All of a sudden he just sort of blurted out, I'm self-centered, man. That's what he said. I'm self-centered, man. And I said... Okay, well, if you're self-centered, then it would seem like you wouldn't go. He said, no. He said, I'm so self-centered that I know when I go and intentionally try to help the people over there with their problems, it does something. It actually lessens the self-centeredness in me. He said, when I go... Something doesn't happen to them. Something happens in me. And I just come away. I just walk out of that place a little less self-centered than I was when I walk in. You see, Kevin has figured out what God has known all along. Serving is actually a sin shrinker. That's why it's so important that we never buy into this lie. That we never buy into this lie that before we serve, that before we engage God, that before we use our gifts in service of the King, we get our lives cleaned up. Because if you can't serve as a sinner here in this church, then this sermon is over. That was supposed to be funny. Line number two. <laughs> Apparently not. That's 0 for 2. The first service didn't laugh either. Line number two. Wait for a better time. You know, I know that if if I talk to you guys about serving at Royal Family or jumping in and getting involved in the Jesus table or ministry to our school system or our children's ministry or our lobby ministry if I talk to you about being involved in ministry and using your ears there some of you would say Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave if only you really understood my life if only you really knew what I was oh, if only you knew what a hectic, busy, stressful, difficult time we are in right now You know, we would love to serve. I would love to serve. I would love to be involved. I would love to use my gifts in service of God in this church. But you know, now it's just not the right time. I think I'm just going to wait for this season to pass when, when sailing gets a bit smoother and then, and then, maybe I'll consider jumping in and using my gifts. You know what's funny about that? As I just, I was thinking about Jesus this week and I was wondering Was there ever a time when Jesus, in three years of ministry, cruising around, interacting with people, like met someone and said, Hey, you know, I'm pretty much calling everyone to take up their cross and follow me and abandon themselves and and work for the kingdom and share the gospel and and put others first. But you know what? You, you've got a lot going on right now. I mean, can you imagine Jesus saying this? You know what? my advice to you is just take some time and focus on yourself. Does Jesus ever say that? And consider the kinds of people he's talking with. People with pretty gnarly issues and problems. People who are hated and loathed and persecuted. People with crippling, awful diseases like leprosy and epilepsy. People who are blind and lame and mute. People who are experiencing death all around them and in their families. And yet, Jesus never says, take some time and wait for things to just settle down a bit. Because Jesus knows this is true. If you wait for a better time, you will always be waiting. Lie number three, just find a place to volunteer. Just do something in the church so many churches have taken this approach so many people have have taken this approach to being involved at church let me ask you a question how many times in the bible do you think the word volunteer appears any ideas zero the word volunteer is not in the bible In all the Bible, in all 66 books of the Old and New Testament, the word volunteer is not mentioned, not even once. Because friends, God is not looking for volunteers. God does not want you to volunteer for something. God is not looking for people to fill a slot or fog a mirror. He's not looking for people who want to check a box in their spiritual life. God is looking for people to serve. God is looking for someone to embrace a ministry. God is looking for folks who are willing to use their gifts and abilities and passions and experiences to advance the kingdom through service. There is a difference between volunteering and serving. The Bible talks about the latter. Listen to these words. Romans chapter 12. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Squeeze every single ounce out of that gift that you can possibly squeeze out. Trust God with every single part of it that you can. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Friends, in other words, there are things you are good at and there are things you aren't good at. Choose wisely. Don't just volunteer. Please, for the rest of us, Don't just randomly pick a place to serve. Consider it. Consider who you are. Consider how you've been gifted. Consider what God would have you do. You see, sometimes there is certainly an instance where something just needs to get done. And whether you're gifted or not, you should just jump in and you should just tackle it. And it may not be wonderful and you may not be the best for it, but that just needs to happen occasionally. But but long term, over the long haul, friends, you should be serving in an area where you are gifted. Do a favor for me here. Could you have a, do you have a neighbor you could be friends with this morning? Is there someone sitting near you that you know? Or who's at least cute? Um, so, yeah, find a neighbor, pair up, and do this for me. This is not going to be hard. For you introverts out there, I'm so sorry. Extroverted pastor moment. Okay. Share with your neighbor your first name. Just go ahead. Do that real quick. I hope you know it. I hope this is not too hard. You can do you know like a handshake or something? That's fine. All right. Now exchange phone numbers. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Um, now share your favorite flavor of ice cream. Pick your favorite flavor of ice cream. Just share with your new neighbor friend. All right, one more. Share your favorite television show. Go. Don't censor, don't edit for church. Just be honest. All right, last and final question. Ready? Share with your neighbor your top spiritual gift. That was actually not too bad. Did you feel the energy in the room though? We went from like ice cream to television to top spiritual gift. I wonder why. Here's my guess. Most of you in here have no idea what your top spiritual gift and or gifts are. That's a problem. The Bible, friends, the New Testament, time and time again, instructing the church to be the church, says this. You've got to know who you are. You've got to know what your gifts are. If you want to be effective at serving in ministry, if you want to be the greatest possible church you can possibly be, you have got to know what your gifts are so that you can use those gifts in ministry all throughout the New Testament this message over and over and over again and yet here we sit some of us years in the church and we say share your top spiritual gift and you go I just like mint chip ice cream I like it a lot still I mean mm. friends let's remedy that let's remedy that for your sake for our sake for the kingdom's sake if you don't Have a place of service that you just feel dialed into. If you don't know your spiritual gifts and how God has wired you to serve and advance the kingdom, next week we've got a class, a new series of classes we're launching here. The one next week we're hosting is called I Serve Here. At I Serve Here, we're going to talk to you about how to get involved, how to serve, how to have a ministry, not just a volunteer slot, but a ministry at Cedar Mill. How to find a place that fits who you are and how God has wired you up. You're going to discover this thing we call your shape, that's your spiritual gifts, your heart, the things you're passionate about, your abilities, your personality, and then the experience that you bring to the table from life, and that's your shape. We're going to say, where does your shape fit here at Cedar Mills so that you can serve God effectively in our midst? And that's so important, friends, because we are want you to be successful in your service because guess what? Meaning, purpose, satisfaction, joy hangs in the balance for the next 12 months. And very practically, let me just give you two indicators. Two indicators that will help you discern if you are actually serving in an area, in a role that fits with your gifts, with fit, that fits with who you are in Christ. First of all, joy, joy, When you are operating in your area of giftedness, it will not always be fun, it will not always be easy, but over over the long haul, there will be deep delight. When you're using your gifts in ministry over the long haul, there will be fulfillment and satisfaction down in your soul because you are using the gifts you've been given by God. And that feels great. I'll never forget the first time I ever preached a sermon. It was my sophomore year of college, and I was asked to give the talk for our FCA group on campus. It was about 120, 150 kids. And I think that the, the actual scheduled speaker, the professional guy, canceled last minute. And so it was kind of like, well, let's just have Dave talk. And I was like, Really? Me? I stayed up all night the night before and gave probably the cheesiest, lamest message you can possibly imagine. My talk was called Jesus versus Jordan. And I compared Jesus Christ... Yeah, Matt thought that was hilarious. Yeah, he knows me pretty well. He's like, that sounds like something you do. Um, yeah, it was like comparing the greatness of Michael Jordan with the greatness of Jesus. And like, I did cheesy stuff like at that time, I think Jordan had won three titles. And I was like, Jordan won three titles. Jesus rose from the grave in three days. And it was like so lame. I'm embarrassed by the whole deal. I mean, I look back at my notes and I think, Really? I was a college student. I majored in physics. I was smarter than that. But you know what? Even as cheesy and lame as it was, I got great feedback. The college kids liked it. They didn't throw stuff. They asked me back, which says something about their taste level. But (laughs) it was this moment where I started, and, and I remember being up there, terrified, nervous, a little bit like scared of humiliating myself in front of all my friends and my girlfriend, and thinking... I love this. I'm terrified and yet I love this. was this moment where I thought, maybe, just maybe, there's a gift down deep behind Jesus versus Jordan down in there somewhere, right? It's a good feeling to discover a place of giftedness in your heart and soul. So joy is an, is an indicator. Second indicator, fruit. Please, friends, pay attention to this one. Let's not miss it. If your activity, if your service is not bearing fruit in helping other people grow in faith, it is probably not a spiritual gift. If you think you have the gift of encouragement, but no one is encouraged by your words, just a little hint. Um, If you think you have the gift of teaching, but people are sleeping, and now I'm looking around the room, please don't be sleeping, please. Um, if you think you have the gift of leadership but in your attempts to lead no one is following reevaluate on the contrary if you have ever been around someone who had a high functioning spiritual gift that they were using there is nothing more phenomenal to watch you ever watch someone with the gift of encouragement encourage others watch their lives just light up and their souls just get lifted and you think how did they do that They're using their God-given gift. You ever watch someone who has a servant gift serve? A serving gift serve? Stuff just gets done. People just get blessed. You ever watch a person with a leadership gift lead? People just follow. They don't even have to do anything. They don't even have to try that hard, but people are moving and going and following and things are happening. It is amazing. It is a wonderful, awesome, God-ordained experience to watch people operate in the sweet spot of their spiritual gifts. Friends, here's the good news. You have got some of those gifts. Some of those gifts live in you. There are things that you could do, and when you do them, people would go, wow, amazing, that seemed almost divine. As if God himself we at work in this place. You have gifts like that. Do you know what they are? And are you using them in this church for the advancement of the kingdom? I beg of you, please do it. Okay, final lie for this morning. I am the focus of my serving. One of the kind of tricky things about serving is that at some point, it's so satisfying, it's so gratifying, that when you use your gifts in ministry, it feels so good, that all of a sudden, sometimes, we get addicted to the results. We get addicted to the positive reinforcement and feedback that come back our way when we operate in our gifts. And we start to think that serving is all about us. I serve so that I can feel so good. I serve so that other people will tell me how great of a job I'm doing. I serve so that you know, I can have this, this soul-satisfying joy that we talked about. And yet God has always said, do not serve. With that goal in mind. It may be the byproduct of your serving. It may happen naturally. But that is not the reason you serve. Friends, what is the reason we serve? And actually, the question is, who is our service for? The Bible is very clear. Ephesians 6-7, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Romans 12 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Colossians 3.24, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, right off the top, let me be just extremely clear about something. We are in no way talking about earning the love of God through our good deeds or acts of service. This is not the message today. The Bible is extremely clear on this. Forgiveness, salvation, Peace with God, your right standing with him, your righteousness before God, that is a free gift offered to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. There is nothing you can or will ever be able to do to earn that from God. That's what it says in Ephesians. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, not from anything you can or will ever be able to do. It is the gift of God. Not by works, not by your efforts in any way so that no one can boast. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to right standing before God, none of us, no one in this room, has anything to brag about because it was all Him and not about us at all. Then, from that place of God loving us freely and receiving us wholly, from that place of being loved and being accepted and being forgiven and being saved, then we serve God in response. That's what we're talking about today. And friends... When that spirit undergirds and sits behind and is the foundation for our actions and our service and our efforts, there can be joy in serving even when self-gratification does not show up the way we want it to. I remember a few years back, I had one of those magical Royal Family Weeks. I'm a Royal Family Kids Camp six-year veteran and proud of it. And um, thank you, I got... Just as many, well, not quite as many as Tom, but six years, Royal Family. And every year at Royal Family Friends is a blessing. Even the hard years are a blessing at Royal Family. But Because every year you connect with some kids. But there are years where you connect with some kids, and then there are some years where you connect with some kids a few years back I had one of those years where I just connected I was tethered all week long 24 7 to two nine-year-old boys and I watched them get off the bus you know bristly and gruff and with their shields up and skeptical. And then I watched as the love of God throughout the week just started to break that stuff down. And I bonded and in particular with this one little nine-year-old boy who was who was very bitter and angry and who had been through a lot. And throughout the week, we just connected. And it was magical and wonderful. And finally, at the very end of the week, after this week filled with memories and love and grace and the presence of God in ways that you can't even describe, we have this, this staff gathering where every single camper and their counselor would go up in front of all the other counselors and then you as the counselor got a chance to say some affirming words to your camper. And I remember it was my turn and I got up there with my two guys and and I knelt down because I'm really tall. And I wanted to kind of be at face level with them and I got a chance to talk to them about who they were and how much God loved them and the things I saw in them and the gifts at work and how... God had used them and would use them and how he loved them and just got a chance to speak things into their life in front of all these people listening. And I remember it was just this powerful moment and there was not a dry eye in the place and I was just so excited about the connection I had in particular with this one little boy. And then when I was done, I stood up and they presented me with a gift. Every camper gives their counselor a gift that they've made at the end of the week. And that year, they made these little picture frames and they... I covered the picture frame with all these animals and in the middle of the picture frame is a picture of me and my two boys who are turned and faced the other way so you can't see their faces. Tom freaked out on me after the first service. Um, I got this picture frame. And so, he gave me the picture frame, the boys hugged me, and we walked back to our table, and I'm just on cloud nine. That was the greatest week ever. God, I got a chance to serve these boys and impact their lives, and this one little boy in particular, he will never be the same. I am quite certain of it. Thank you for letting me serve him the way I got to. And we sit down at our table, and the next, like, counselor, camper pair is up there, and all of a sudden, this little boy leans over to me, and he says, and I, I'm just waiting for him to say something that's just going to like break my heart. You're the best counselor ever. You know, can, can you adopt me? You know, whatever it's going to be. I'm just waiting for it. Dave, he says, I made sure all the animals were pooping. <laughs> and I kind of... That was weird. I must have heard that wrong. And I'm like, what? He says, Yeah all the animals on the picture frame are pooping. And I look, and sure enough, near the hindquarters of every single animal, including the airplane, on my picture frame is a little glob of glitter poo. And I thought to myself, wow, pretty significant impact you made there, Dave. And I was like, one of those moments... And he was so proud, you know, like, yeah. He was like, what do you think of that? And I was like, you know, I was ready to cry. I'm thinking, oh. But you know what I heard the Lord whispered to me in that moment? It's just one of those moments where you ever now and then you just feel like God just says something to you. And it was, here's what he said. Dave, you didn't come to impress them anyway. You didn't even come to serve them. You came to serve me. And when you serve me, I take care of the rest. Now, it, you know... To qualify that a little bit, I think glitter poo is probably a pretty high compliment (laughs) coming from a nine-year-old boy. Am I right, Tom? So I get a little bit of profits on that. But the point was, if I was serving, if I was if I was pouring myself out, if I was giving myself for accolades, or even to impress this boy or whoever it is I'm serving, that's the wrong place. That's the wrong motivation. That's not why we serve. We don't serve. To impress men. We don't serve to impress others. We don't even serve for ourselves. We serve in response to a living God who loves us and gave his life for us and redeemed us through his death and resurrection on the cross. That is why we serve. And so church, I call you today. Do you know your gifts? Are you serving? Are you pouring out your gifts and using every... Are you wringing out everything you are everything God has made you and created you to be for his kingdom and the advancement of the gospel as a part of our church body. That the proclamation that Jesus Christ is Lord and that there is hope and love and eternity and salvation will go out from this place to the world. Will you use your gifts? Will you serve God? Even, even if it means you get glitter poo in return. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace poured out not just in salvation, not just in forgiveness and redemption and righteousness, but your grace poured out in the fact that we have these gifts that we did not earn and you give them to us for free and say now, use them. Use them in response and then you even bless us in that. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for the chance to be your people. Thank you for a way of life that leads to... Joy and purpose and meaning and fulfillment in you. That's our prayer. We love you. Thank you, Father, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.